1: has a plan God has a plan that plan was made before the creation of the earth now the question is will you be a part of God's plan or will you establish your own plans did you wake up this morning saying all right here's my plan for the day Or did you wake up this morning and say God has a plan for this day how do I become a part of his plan? The plan of God does not necessarily include you. You must make a decision about whether you will follow your plan or whether you will follow God's plan. It takes time to be holy Meaning, it takes time first to know what God's plan is, and then to begin to join him in his plan, with a very clear willingness on our part to put aside our plans for his plans. Let's share together what his plan is. We find in Ephesians, the first chapter, we call this the book of the church because the church is very much involved in God's plan. In verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, if we join God's plan, every blessing in heaven is, is going to be poured out for us as we walk in God's plan. Verse 4 For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, let's be clear. Everything spoken of here is in the plural, not the singular. He chose a people who would be holy and blameless. And you must make the decision if you will be a part of the people that he has chosen, or if you will follow your own plan. This is not speaking about you personally being predestined This is speaking about a church being predestined, a holy people being predestined. God had a plan before the creation of the world. The first part of that plan was to bring forth a people, the children of Israel. He would make them his special possession. He would bring them to the promised land. He would establish them there. He would bless them in that place. He brought forth this people so that out of them could be birthed the Messiah. Now, Paul tells us in Ephesians much more about this. In love, verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given to us in the one he loves in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of god's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding and he made known to the mystery made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. So he meant in Jesus Christ to bring forth a mystery. It's a marvelous mystery. It's God's astonishing plan. Who would have ever suspected this? Verse 10, He to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head even Christ so his purpose was to bring everything together under the head of Jesus Christ in chapter 3 verse 10 his intent was now through the church the manifold wisdom of god should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose or his eternal plan which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So God had a plan. And that plan involved bringing forth his church, not individuals. Individuals, I do not believe, are predestined. I won't fight with anyone over this issue. But I believe in the book of Ephesians, he lays out very clearly what the mystery was. And the mystery was, verse 22, God placed all things. This is chapter one of Ephesians, verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the mystery is that he's going to send Jesus. He is going to send an atoning sacrifice. And he's going to bring everything together under the headship of Jesus. He's going to bring everything under the headship of Jesus. And Jesus will use the church to accomplish this. The church is the very center of God's attention. That's why the devil has struck so viciously at the church to lead it astray, to cause it to apostatize, to lead it into sin, to cause it to no longer have the power and presence of God to heal the sick or raise the dead. No more signs and wonders in our day. Now, that's not true. He is bringing forth people and churches that are willing to obey him, who are willing to be a part of God's plan, who will lay aside their own plans and follow God. Now, we find in what I've just shared with you that literally Jesus wants to bring together, and this is the real mystery, Jesus intends to bring together his people the Jewish people and the Gentile people making them one so he wants one people of all races and all nationalities and they will form in the end the church that will become the wife of Jesus now this is magnificent He's not going to exclude the Jews. He's not going to exclude the Gentiles. Rather, everyone who believes in him, who's willing to be subject to him, who's willing to be crucified with him, who's willing to repent of all sin and turn from darkness, they will be included in one body as one people with no separation between them and Jesus, because Jesus will be the head of the church. This is God's plan. Now, let me read further. In him we also, chosen, have been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, who comes whether Jewish or Gentile and believes in Jesus Christ will be sealed by the Holy Spirit to be a part of this magnificent Bride of Christ that will be ready to be wed at the end of time. That's God's purpose. So everything in the rest of the Scriptures will be focused in the New Testament on fulfilling God's plan for the church. Now, if we read together, God placed all things under his feet, that is Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Now, keep your hand in Ephesians. We're coming back. But let's go now. All this week, I've been talking to you about who is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Who is this Jesus? Well, Hebrews chapter 1. There are three places in Scripture that are most descriptive us about who Jesus is. Remember, I spoke with you first about John, the gospel, the first chapter. In the beginning, God was with, Jesus was with God. He was God. He is the creator. And then we spoke yesterday about Colossians, who Jesus is. So it's the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the first chapter of the book of Galatians, and the first chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. In other words, God, the Godhead, made the universe through this person we call Jesus. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. Literally, he is the exact representation. He has the glory of the Godhead. He is the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. No, he didn't say that. He said that to his son, to Jesus. I will be his father. He will be my son. Verse 6, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, literally when he brings the one of a kind into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Angels don't worship angels. Angels only worship the living God of heaven, if they are not in rebellion and on their own plan, as was Lucifer and those angels that left heaven's courts and were kicked out. And speaking of the angels, he says, he made his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So Jesus came as a man. But as a man, he was God. Fully God and fully man. He is marked... By righteousness or by innocence. He said that would be the scepter of the kingdom of God. It would be righteousness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning... This is verse 10 of Hebrews, the first chapter. In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. It was Jesus then who laid the foundations of the earth. The universe, the heavens are the work of his hands. He created it. He says, they will perish, but you remain They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you will remain the same and your years will never end. That's who our Jesus is. Can you imagine the terror of seeing the heavens rolled up like a scroll and then burned, cast out? and a new heaven and a new earth created? Verse 13, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for my feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Okay, now, let's be clear. God has a plan. God's plan is to have a bride for his son Jesus. God's plan is to bring everything on the earth under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is to rule over all things in the heavens and in the earth. God's plan is that Jesus will come and die as an atoning sacrifice, that by that shed blood, he could bring together the Jews and the Gentiles under one headship, and that everything in heaven and earth, in joy, would praise the name of Jesus. That literally the angels of God are serving those who join the plan of God Against the powers of darkness. This world is divided. It is not unified. It is divided between wickedness and righteousness. It is divided between those who transgress the law of God and those who have been given the ability and power by the blood of Jesus to walk clean before him. To be righteous, even as he is righteous. So the world is divided, and the battle is on. And Satan, like a roaring lion, is going about seeking whom he may devour. And we must be hidden in Jesus. We must be hidden under the wing of Jesus Christ. Now, God's plan is working out. Everything is going according to God's plan. But now we have to raise another question. Have you functioned as Satan has and established your own plans? And are you day by day walking in your plan Or have you recognized what God's plan is to bring all things under the headship of Jesus? And are you, wherever you're at, whether you're at the radio station, in a government office, construction, owning your own business, whatever you're doing, are you operating under your own plan? Or are you an ambassador for Jesus Christ, seeking to bring every person and every organization under the headship of Jesus Christ. It's either God's plan or your plan. You cannot execute your plan and be a part of God's plan. Impossible. You are either on one side or the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You either serve the living God of heaven and you are a part of executing his plan on this earth or you're following your own plan. And if you're following your own plan, you are not a part of the kingdom of Jesus. You may call yourself a Christian, but if you're following your own plans and not the plan of God, you are excluded from the kingdom of God. Chapter 2, Hebrews. He says, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Literally, that word drift can also mean that we do not leak away or drain away. Satan wants to come and drain out of our lives our commitment to Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, we better be very careful that we do not allow Satan to cause us to flow away from God or God's plan. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Distributed according to his will. Now, let's be very clear. It's going to take very careful attention not to let Satan transition us from God's plan of bringing everything under the headship of Jesus through the church to flow away from that into our own world and now use the church as a place of inspiration, a place of fellowship, a place of of friendship, of business hookups, but not really be about the work of God, the plan of God, to bring everything together under the headship of Jesus. In verse 8, In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the ones who made men holy and those who make holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. So Jesus calls those who join the plan of God his brothers. They're brothers. Since we have this is verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, He had to be made like his brothers in every respect in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those being tempted. Now, the first chapter of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is God and that he is vital to this plan and he came and established the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, those who were separated from the world to join him in his plan in bringing everything in heaven and earth under his lordship that's God's purpose that's what Jesus is now about bringing everything in the church it is his body it is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way now you see why I have said there must be a new church in America. Right now, the focus of the church in America seems to be to be loved by the world, to get their platform in the social media, to get their apps cranking, to have people able to either listen to the service on the television or on their computer or on their cell phone, to be able to plug in and find out what's happening. No, God is looking for a people who will gather in his name, who will hold one another accountable, who will pray for one another, who will be given to prayer and intercession for the accomplishment of the plan of God. I don't go to church to help me with my plan to be successful in the world. I don't need to go to a prosperity church so they can tell me what a wonderful person I am and how God wants to bless me and make me rich. That is a a wicked, wicked church. That is not what God's plan is. We have made the plan of God Truncated so that it goes now and fits in with our best plans to be all that we can be and accomplish everything we desire to accomplish. That's not God's plan. It's not God's plan to establish a place of entertainment. It's not God's plan to place concerts and plays and every other kind of activity to entice the world to come and be a part of the church. Most who are in the church today in America are not really Christians. Now, I just read a very startling report that terrifies my heart and has caused me to weep before God. The Chinese government has declared that they are going to utterly destroy every Christian in China. They are going to prosecute them. They are going to put them in prison. They are going to do whatever they must do to stomp out all Christian faith in China. They are going to cause and are causing great suffering in China. Now when a Chinese man, woman, boy or girl has to quietly leave their house, watch to see if anyone notices them, walk the wrong direction, finally making their way to one house where they watch to make sure no one is watching, and then slip quietly inside where a small group of Christians are going to pray together, sing very quietly together, listen to the spoken word together, Comfort one another for the anguish that is going on in their hearts for their loved ones who are imprisoned or who have been killed. They watch as their church buildings are being bulldozed and destroyed. The blood of these precious martyrs will cause the church to grow even faster in China. Now, I remember the reports. Just a couple of years ago, where some of the stalwart older men and women who had been under severe persecution, they said they were greatly concerned for the church in China because the new young pastors who were coming up were more concerned about church growth than they were about righteousness and holiness and walking clean with God. And they watched as things began to enter into the Chinese church. Things that would have caused them to become like the American church. And they prayed and asked God, Oh God, change this. Turn this new modernism away from the Chinese church. God's answer was to allow persecution. Persecution. Because in the blood of the martyrs, the church rapidly grows. Does America have to go through the same kind of persecution? We may. I pray not. How could I pray for persecution? I remember one woman told me about visiting Russia. When it was so isolated behind the wall, she walked into Russia with a bag full of Bibles, a suitcase full of Bibles. She went up to where the guards were examining all of the luggage. She was terrified because it could mean prison. Suddenly, as she prayed, a guard approached and said, please, come this way. We'll look at your bags over here. The line was very long. She went right to the head of that line. She and those with her were ushered right through. They never opened her suitcase. They went into Russia. They wanted to visit the underground church. They had contacts to deliver those Bibles to. And as they went into Russia, across that iron curtain, that land of severe persecution to Christians. She was told by a messenger where to meet. And they said, don't walk with us. Walk behind us as though you don't know us. Don't acknowledge us. And so she went to the specific place, and there she saw a person coming, dressed as she'd been instructed, She began to quietly follow this person through the streets. They wound around for quite some time. And finally they came to a building, a high-rise apartment. This person went in. This woman followed. They went up the stairs. She followed finally to a little apartment. The man that she was going to visit, he and his wife and family, he was a medical doctor. But because he had become a Christian, he was demoted and now was only allowed to serve as a servant to the doctors. He was not allowed to practice. He was paid a very small amount, and he was given a very small little apartment with his family to live in basically two rooms. They went in, the door was closed, and then they embraced as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. They sat down to a meal together. It had taken the wife waiting in lines two weeks to gather all of the food that was provided that day and at the end of the meal, they were given a rare delicacy for dessert a little container with raw honey. During the meal, this doctor said to this woman, You are so blessed to live in America where you're free. And she answered back, No, you are the one who is blessed. Because in persecution, you've become holy. In America, we're free, but we're not holy. We don't understand what Jesus is doing. And the American church is very, very worldly. They enjoyed their time together very much with witness and testimony Telling the stories of their persecution in Russia. Then they had a wonderful time of prayer that was very open, not loud because they couldn't pray very loud. They sang very quietly together. And then it was time to leave. She left by herself and walked quickly back to her hotel, where she was, of course, under observation. the church in America has to change. We're fat and happy. We're worldly. And we are not a part of God's plan. The Chinese church and the church in parts of Africa and other parts of the world, Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, other places where there is severe persecution, the church of Jesus Christ is growing and it's holy people have taken seriously the plan of god it's time in america for us to take seriously the plan of god to bring all things together in unity through the church it's time for the church to be purified to be washed to be serious about following jesus christ that's why I no longer lead the National Prayer Chapel as a public institution, but rather have taken it to my home, where we are a house church, where we don't go through the rituals, and everyone who comes is accountable and shares and prays and seeks to walk in Jesus. you're welcome to come. If that's your heart and you want to be a part of the plan of God for the redemption of our wicked culture and our wicked day and the wicked church, the apostate church, where the jokes are flying, where the music is going, the entertainment is live, everyone comes and enjoys the show and then goes home just the way they came. There's been no change. There's been no conviction of sin. No arrows of the Holy Spirit. A cotton candy message. It's time for a change. Are you willing? Now you can do this in your home. Or you can come to my home. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing. I'm going to give you a telephone number. It's 703 489 one seven eight five. If you'll call, I'll speak with you, leave a message if I don't answer. I'll call you back and I'll give you the directions for how to come. We meet on Sunday morning at ten AM sharp. We start praying right at ten. And we conclude at twelve unless the Holy Spirit comes in power. We're praying he will come in awesome power and baptize every one of us in Pentecost baptism. Jesus is the baptizer. He baptizes with fire, with the Holy Spirit. He washes and cleanses. He makes us whole. If your heart is hungry, will you say, but pastor, I'm, Hispanic, I don't speak very good English. well, come anyway, the Lord will understand your prayer. He'll understand your cry, and we'll pray for you. You say, oh i can't i'm korean i don't I don't speak good English. This is not about speaking good English. This is about Jesus and and becoming one under the headship of Jesus and learning how to walk in that. Now, in Ephesians, the second chapter, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways or the plan of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring forth the full conviction to cause you to repent, to confess, to get clean by the blood of Jesus. And then it says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That is, he planned in advance for us to be a part of his plan, the plan of bringing everything under the headship of Jesus Christ. But there is a work that must be done in our hearts before we are eligible to begin doing that work. I want you to be made eligible to do the work of Christ, the works that he's planned for you to do, to be a part of what he wants you to do. In this verse 6, I've just wept over this. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I want that to be my and your current experience that we have been lifted up out of the foul wickedness of this world and we have been seated with Jesus Christ and we no longer follow the plan of the devil any plan that is your plan separate from the plan of God is a plan of the devil. Every plan that you make must be tested. Does this plan bring about the glory of Jesus Christ? Does this plan I have result in the salvation of men and women? Am I working with all of my Ability and time and energy to put forth the plan of God to bring all things under the headship of Jesus Christ? Or am I trying to bring everything under the headship of my own finances and my own life and my own expectations for how I should live my life to accomplish what I want to accomplish? No, I don't want Any goal of mine. I want the plan of God functioning in my heart and in my life that I could be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, at one time, all of us were dead in our transgressions and sins, we followed the ways of the world. We followed the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is the devil. We all lived among the worldly people at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. But God has called us out of that. He's called us into his plan. He's called us into Jesus Christ. He's called us in his incredible kindness to be seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. That needs to be a current experience. Not one that we look forward to, but spiritually to actually live in that place given utterly and completely to Jesus Christ so that we don't go take a trip. We don't go visit. We don't go to the store. We don't go do anything except as we have prayed and are following the plan of God. So that every part of our heart is given to Jesus and given to the notion of bringing people under the headship of Jesus Christ through acts of compassion and love, through acts of confrontation, through acts of mercy and kindness, so that in everything he has the rule. We are under his headship. Therefore remember that you formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who are called themselves the circumcision, that is, done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreign to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become dwellings in which God lives by his spirit. The church, the ecclesia, are those who are called out of wickedness, out of the world, out of the flesh. They are called out of their own plans and they take on the plan of God and they give themselves utterly, totally, and completely to the plan of God, to the glory of Jesus Christ. As a Christian, I no longer share in the abomination of this world. I no longer share in the ambition of Of a selfish heart I no longer walk in the way of darkness I'm called to walk in the light is that your call I pray that your call for the joy of the Lord fills the heart of a man or woman who is in that place and he's called you there I'd love to hear from you. I praise God for a dear sister who so consciously sends offerings designated for the work of the gospel of Jesus. This dear sister intends that everything of her heart should be given to the work of the gospel. I love that. That's where my heart is. I want you to have the same heart you can write to me as she does at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can come to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find messages there. You'll find things that will help you in your journey. You can also donate online. My brother, my sister, I would love to meet you. I would love to have you come to the National Prayer Chapel. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you
2: soon.